Hey friends, happy Wednesday and welcome to Drive Through Moms. I'm your host, Lynn Mitcher. Each episode, we'll hear stories from ordinary moms serving others in extraordinary ways and chat about how God has impacted their life. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Drive Through Moms. Um, today, we have a very special friend with me today. Uh, this is Michelle Travis. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for agreeing to be on with me. Um, I'm sitting here in the office looking at much of your handiwork, honestly, because I've got pictures of graduation <laughs> and wedding and all kinds of fun stuff in here that you've done through the years. Um, anyway, but thank you for being here. Awesome. I'm excited. This is an honor. No, no. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you. Um, okay. So tell me a little bit. I haven't seen the kids in a while, probably since maybe the last time I ran into you at a doctor's office somewhere. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So tell me about where everybody is. So you have um, five. Five. Like from what? What ages? Um, four to 13. So the baby is about to turn four next week. Okay. And my oldest is 13. So it goes um, 13, 12, 11. We had back to back. They're like a year apart. And then um, we breaked for a little bit. And then I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. So I can't, off, first of all, three back-to-back. So brave, very, <laughs> very strong woman. I mean, all of mine are four years apart. And I think in my uptight nature, I was like, I had to like, feel like I got a grip on it first a little bit. But, so I can't imagine. Um but the other thing, just sitting here, like I said, looking at all the pictures in the office, I have to think of just, especially being a photographer with five children, how many millions of pictures you must have <laughs> and how do you store them? I mean, I have boxes and boxes of really old printed ones, but I get overwhelmed with just my cell phone pictures, much less, you know. Oh. I am not the person to ask. <laughs> I will take care of other people's pictures, but I do a pretty lousy job on my own, unfortunately. <laughs> I oh. finally just got some printed on canvas and hung up in the last couple of months. And that was a huge accomplishment for me. But no, I hear you. Now with digital photos, it's just it's just crazy. So. And it's overwhelming because you have so many, you have such yeah. opportunity to take a picture while you're shopping and you're like, oh, this shirt's really cute. I'm going to send it to my friend who would love this shirt. You know, then you're like, oh, crud, I got another picture on my phone. Exactly. That, you know, I got to figure out what to do with. Yeah. It's, I know it's a mess. I don't have an answer. So well, maybe, no. maybe that could be your next guest. Like, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll like, do another story. Like a photo organizer. Yeah. I will, I will listen to that for sure. <laughs> I need help. Oh gosh. <laughs> Oh, well, I was going to start a little bit with, um, so I, I was thinking about when the first time that I met you guys, um, oh my gosh, so long ago. Yeah. So Aaron was a youth pastor. I don't know. Was he middle school or high school pastor when Amanda was in middle school and I think was helping with the worship band a little bit. And so I was, yeah, I think he, I don't, honestly, I don't remember. Was he doing, I think he was just doing a little bit of everything. Met probably, probably. That, <laughs> happens. that happens a lot with, with church jobs. I know for sure it's a jack yeah. of all trades, but I know he was doing that. And like I said, you've obviously taken pictures 
um, of the kids from graduation and, and weddings. And I just have to say that I have loved watching your motherhood journey um, through the years of uh-huh. just being very purposeful and passionate about how you raise your kids, um, you know, what's important to you and how you model that and instill that in, you know, the way you raise them and port them to Christ and like, no matter what it is you're doing, because that's just the way you raise your, your children as a <laughs> believer in theory, right? In theory, that's right. what you want to do. Um, I think a lot of times I get lost in translation, but, um, <laughs> but I come from a completely traditional educational background. So tell me a little bit about how, you know, what does that look like for you guys? Because I know you're a homeschool mama. And like I said, I yeah. have, I have no background in that whatsoever. <laughs> My parents are both public school teachers. I'm certified to teach and I don't know anything about that. So how, what got you to that point of deciding, Hey, I have five kids. I think I want to homeschool. <laughs> yeah. It's usually the opposite. Hey, I have five kids. Somebody Please take them. Take, yeah. them. <laughs> take them for some hours. Um, you know, I have an advantage, um, or not, maybe not an advantage, but a different perspective on homeschooling because I was homeschooled. And so I'm a second generation homeschooler. Um, my mom, when I chose to start homeschooling us back in the early nineties, when homeschooling was the freedom of that was very volatile. So she took a big leap of faith and was, um, really persecuted, a lot for doing that. We were one of three families in our town that were homeschoolers and homeschoolers were just weird back then. And, um, I don't think my family was, but, but they were just weird. And, um, and so, and so I knew that I wanted to homeschool my children because of the great experience I had as a child. And, um, as I grew into a woman realizing, um, just the call on my life as a mother and, um, wanting to offer my kids as much of the gospel as I could. And so, but I remember when I was, um, my firstborn was little preschool age and I sat down one day thinking, okay, let me figure out how I'm going to homeschool. And I, that was sort of back when Pinterest was just starting out. And I remember at 3 a.m. crying in my living room thinking, oh my gosh, there are millions of options of homeschooling. I don't know what to do. Um, I like, I, I, I was just like, God, I know you've called me to do this, but I don't know how. And, um, and really like that night at three o'clock in the morning with my laptop open on Pinterest and seeing all the different options of homeschooling, um, I just literally just gave it to him and said, okay, you're going to have to show me what to do and how to do this, where it's life-giving and it doesn't, um, destroy my home or my marriage or the hearts of my children. And, um, and so that journey started about my oldest is 13 now. So, you know, I was thinking about preschool around two because that's what everybody did up here. And I had so many moms, um, when my oldest was turning two, saying, what are you going to do about preschool? What are you going to do about preschool? And I didn't even know preschool was like a thing. And so I remember looking into it and the cost of it. I was like, oh, there's no way we can afford that. Um, do I need to start doing preschool? And that is really what 
started me on my just education search. Like, what is education? What's the goal of education? How am I as a Christian? Like, how should I educate? Um, and just so over the last 11, 12 years, I've really been on a discovery just about education, um, which is fascinating to me. And I sort of geek out over it. But um, but that's my background with homeschooling and how I came to it. And when my mom was homeschooling, the options were very limited as far as curriculum. So I was shocked whenever I was trying to figure out what I was going to do as a homeschool mom. Um, and now, you know, 20, 30 years later, it's it's normal. Like you don't really think twice when you hear that someone homeschools. It's trendy. It, um, you know, it's just something different, but a lot of people do homeschool. There's thousands in North America, in North America, in North Texas. It could be North America, right? Yeah, of course. Could be North America. You know, North America, um, that do homeschool. So it's not as taboo these days, but, um, but that's, that's sort of my background in it. I know one thing that I can see, at least from the outside looking in, that that sounds a little voyeuristic, maybe to to creep on you a little bit, I guess, just from a social media perspective um, of what I've seen and how your journey has been with the kids that whenever I, I read something that you post or I see the things that you guys do as a family or the things that I know you focus on, um, I immediately think of Deuteronomy where, um, you know, instructions given to um, how to teach the family and how parents are to raise their kids in general. Um but, you know, in, in doing it in a natural everyday way where, you know, he tells them, you know, do it when you're sitting at home and when you're walking by the road and when you lie down at night and when you get up in the mornings and just be kind of an all-encompassing, it's just our life, right? Um, and that mm-hmm. kind of at least, does that, I mean, am I right in terms of like a motivation in terms of what you want your kids uh, oh, to be exposed to, and yet um, in a natural in a natural setting. Yes, definitely. That um, verse in Deuteronomy was is still um, a very foundational verse that I had to sort of come to a crisis of belief in. Just as a young mom, um, and young mom meaning like I'm holding my baby in my arms, or my baby's walking, and I'm like. Oh God, how, like you just gave me this. How do I steward this? Right. And, um, cause that's an overwhelming, yeah, it's an overwhelming thing. In fact, a man and I were just talking about a little while ago. It, it's, you know, you have those moments where regardless of what it is that you feel overwhelmed about something that you feel like God's laid on your heart, like this podcast, I mean, for real, I, <laughs> I it's your very, baby. it's my baby. And it's very overwhelming to me to feel like, you know, this is something he wants me to do and I'm supposed to steward it well. Um, and yet still feel totally unqualified, but especially as a mom, when you're given this little life mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, just like you said, the Pinterest ideas, I, I, I think now I'm almost glad those things didn't exist when my kids were <laughs> little because I got overwhelmed anyway. Um, oh yeah. The amount of information of opportunities or possibilities. I mean, when my kids were little, I had to go to the library. Or buy a mag- mm-hmm. buy a magazine, right? You, mm-hmm. There wasn't this automatic inundation of, well, you could search and read absolutely anything you wanted to on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So, how did you 
How did you land on where you are now with classical conversations? Well, um, so I, those first few years, I didn't end up sending my child to preschool. I tried a couple little Pinteresty type lesson plans for preschool and was, you know, and I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and that lasted a couple of days like, Oh, let's do a unit study for this week on a, and, and, you know, and I realized honestly that first week, like this is not sustainable. This is a home, not, not a schoolroom. And I don't have to replicate a public school in my home. I'm not supposed to, I'm not called to that. So when I realized that I was like, okay, then, then how are we going to make this work? Um, what do I need to do? Because the conviction was there. And over the years, um, especially those probably what five first five years of homeschooling, like I wanted to quit every year or multiple times a year. Like it's hard and it's sanctifying. Um, and you wonder like, am I ruining my children? Um, they would do better somewhere else. Like all those thoughts are normal, but what held me to keep on is just what I saw that I was called to in scripture. And I knew that as a Christ follower, that that's my book that I follow. Those are God's words and it's full of principles of living. And, and I'm responsible to follow that as a mother, as a wife, as just a person who knows Christ And so God and I had a lot of, still do have a lot of honest conversations of like, okay, you know, you tell me I need to um, point my children to you in these ways. And I need to talk about these things and I need to develop these patterns and routines and rhythms in our life that are paralleled, like coincide with, with scripture, but I can't do that if they're gone for eight hours a day. So And then I also like, I can't replicate a classroom, a public classroom in my home without destroying the hearts of my children and being burnt out. So like, how are we going to do this, God? And, um, and so that's, that's what I wanted. And I want what scripture tells me to want. (laughs) Um, you know, my flesh might not want that, but I, you know, our life is not our own. and. And so I have to go back to scripture and say, okay, God, this is what you're calling me to. So you're going to have to provide. And he's so faithful because scripture says, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask, he gives it in every step, like one step at a time. It's just been, here's some wisdom for your family, Michelle. Here's some wisdom for this child who does, who hates handwriting. Here's your, here's some wisdom for the child who, you know, in a public school mindset is a late reader. Here's some wisdom for your 11 year old emotional girl, how to, how to care for her heart. And so the Lord's been faithful in, um, in providing that wisdom. And one of the tools that I absolutely love, um, and I actually work for this homeschool organization is classical conversations. And it is the largest, um, homeschool curriculum in the world. We have communities all over the world. There's over a hundred thousand students registered and it really is a partnership um, with the parent to equip parents to 
homeschool in a life-giving way with a biblical worldview and, um, and just the tools that you need to teach and, um, and really disciple your children. And so it's a K through 12 curriculum. It's provided me um, so much freedom because it's not a lot of check boxes. I just have to check off. Um, it's more of like a lifestyle curriculum. Um, so I have freedom to form it to what is best for my family and best for my child's unique learning styles. But also it gives me accountability of just what we need to be learning year after year. And I have five different kids with five different personalities with five different learning styles. And it's really sort of a one room schoolhouse that I've been able to homeschool without tears um, with my children. You know, I mean, like just, I think being a mom in general, you have those breakdown moments and just life is overwhelming because you have laundry and dishes and everybody's crying, but homeschooling does not have to be a stress um, to your home. And there are tools and options to educate your children in a life-giving way with a Christian worldview. Well, and you mentioned, you know, you have five kids in the home that you're this, you know, basically one-room schoolhouse. But not only were there five with different temperaments, but different ages, right? So Mm -hmm. that has to be, um, you know, how do you manage that with knowing that they're all obviously on different yeah, for the lack of, I don't really know what the right word other than the right academic level um, from a public school is probably the wrong term. But in terms of like what they know academically from your four-year-old to your 13-year-old, obviously it's going to be different. So how do you, yeah. how do you do that with them? Um, like, what does that look like on a daily basis? So, um, you know, the classical model of education goes back um, thousands of years. And it, it's also really seen a lot in Proverbs. There's a lot of verses that talk about knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And when you study, um, well, first of all, whenever you hear the word classical education, a lot of people just automatically think of classical music because that's sort of what we associate the word classical with. Um, sometimes people think classical education and you're just sitting around reading, um, Shakespeare and learning Latin. So, uh, but once you really understand the classical model of education, you realize that there's natural developments of learning that go from, um, maybe like ages about like four to 11 ish. And then again, like, and you could associate that with just like this knowledge Um, But like very basic knowledge level. And then you naturally grow into more of an understanding, like you're interested in what things mean and you're starting to get in this dialectic phase as a 12 year old. And it might come across like your 12 year old smart aleck and arguing, but really it's just this natural stage of development that God created. Um, And so classical education capitalizes on that and helps you lead your child through communicating and wrestling with ideas and how to communicate that. And then the last stage of learning would be wisdom. And so that would be like the older teenage years where you've learned to think and, um, and you're learning even deeper ways to communicate and defend what you know. And then you tie all that up with 
a big bow of just a Christian worldview. And um, so, but back to your question, like, how does it look like, you know, it's sort of, um, it's sort of like a dance. Like it just is a natural flow of, um, okay, does this child, I mean, we're all learning the same thing but we're learning it on different levels. Okay. And so classical under uh, classical conversations um, gives you just like this curriculum to follow based on the level of edu- of development that your child's in. That's probably a nice an uh, efficient way to say it. Okay, okay, I get that then. So what is so like say a typical day when you guys get up in the morning, what does it look like um, from the time you wake up to I mean, is, just give me an example. This one we're over. Yeah, just give me like an overview of like what a normal day looks like in the house with you guys. So um, my goal in education is to glorify God and um, to know him and make him known. So everything I do wants to either be knowing God, which we know God when we study what he's created. Right. And he's created everything. And then I want to make him known either to my children or I want my children to learn ways to make him known to the world. So um, in the freedom that we have in homeschooling, especially as Christian homeschoolers, um, we don't like we aren't in a rush (laughs) to to start (laughs) or finish. Right. So um, usually in my world, we wake up um, and. I put on worship music and the kids just play and read books until we have breakfast. And, um, it's sort of a joke, but homeschoolers usually have two breakfasts. So you usually have one breakfast when the kid wakes up, like the breakfast they can grab. And then you have another breakfast that maybe you cook or lay out. Yeah, and we Like, let's just tie you over to- till I have time to get in there and fix something or do something different. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we, um, I'm big on slow mornings. I let my kids wake up whenever they wake up because I think sleep's important. And, um, and then usually while they're sitting around the table eating, I will read a Psalm and we sort of have a Psalm of the day, just whatever day it is. So if it's, you know, the 15th, we'll read Psalms 15. And, um, and after that, you know, they just go through like, make your bed and, um, get dressed. If you, sometimes we have PJ's days, but get dressed. And, um, my older kids are pretty independent in their school. They have a schedule and, um, they know what they need to do. So they will, they will go in their room or on my bed or wherever they need, wherever they want to be. Um, we don't have a school room and do their lessons, their research, their studying. Right. Um, Classical Conversations has a lot of research and um, conversation. Um, so I'm, I'm talking all day long. Like we, we just, we talk a lot and we discuss and we ask good questions and just, we're teaching kids how to think, not what to think. And, um, and then with my little kids, um, when, when they're little, we, it's so easy to memorize. So you think of like, when you're learning your ABCs, you just learn it by a song. So in the little years, classical conversations curriculum capitalizes on that. And we just learn a lot of memory work. And so it's just facts that my, that my little kids could care less what they mean, but they're memorizing these facts, um, Latin and history and geography, because when that 
that shift happens around 12 years old, their curriculum gets harder and they start caring about what the things mean. And so they already have these like pegs of information imprinted in their memory. And then they're able to pull those pegs out and then drill deeper down. So like, you're not, you're not just like cramming and then taking a test and then forgetting like you're learning over 12 years, like the same general, you know, subjects and ideas. And and then eventually as you grow, you are wrestling with big ideas. And um, in classical education, all the subjects run together. So like we might be studying astronomy, um, which I am right now with my eight, my eighth grader. And, um, but we're also like connecting the dots with Latin and with the history of the world, like the timeline, like what else was happening whenever the telescope was invented and we're learning math because we're studying astronomy. And so like all these subjects run together. And, and then on top of that, we're able to go to and study scriptures that talk about how the heavens declare the glory of God right? and see the thumbprint of Christ in that. So um, we sort of wrap up, everyone wraps up their studies and schooling. Um, my older kids wrap up around lunchtime. Um, they're probably doing stuff for like three to four hours. My little kids, um, I'm a really big believer in play. And so if my little kids are playing, I do not interrupt to, I'm doing air quotes, do school because I believe that, um, learning is playing, playing is learning at that young age. And um, kids will come to you when they want to learn to read or they want to learn to write their name or they want to learn how to do a math problem like Big Brother does. And um, even though I have curriculum for them, I would rather their imagination just explode and they just play all day. And that self-directed play and creativity that comes from... um, having just an open-ended time and figuring out, you know, especially if you've got more than one playing together and learning how to right. problem solve. And um, so many of those things that even, you know, you look back with my kids obviously are older and, um, you know, through school. And and I remember even stories from just friends and teachers and, and my parents both taught um, of just times when you do want to connect the dots, when the kids kind of have those aha moments of, wait, this mm-hmm. This also touches on another subject, um, like you like you mentioned, you know, astronomy and, and Latin or something. And mm-hmm. yet, teachers don't have time to sit maybe in that moment and say, yeah, let's explore that because maybe they're on a different timetable that day. And I know, you know, obviously being from a family of teachers and, and my daughter and son-in-law are teaching, you know, there there is a different standard and a different time frame. And especially right now with man, having a, you know, do dual purpose of teaching in person and, and then doing yeah. things online that you've got all these uh, parameters that are just harder. And um, mm-hmm. having that, you know, when I worked at um, Lawson, um, it was one of the things that I liked about the way our um, classroom was set up in terms of the kids having free play. And they were, mm-hmm. they were pre-K kids. Um, in a monolingual pre-K class, and they had the option to, um, you know, we have all these different centers, all these different things, but I'm not going to tell you where to go. Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. go to what's open if there's a spot, and then it they would like have to go and see, okay, well, there's too many people here. I need to choose something else. So being able to regulate themselves and not necessarily 
say you have five minutes for this and four minutes for this and 10 minutes mm-hmm. for this, um, even though I only had 45 minutes overall, <laughs> you know, or whatever it was, it was still, there were some opportunities for that. That isn't always the case. Um, so I, I love that. There's the opportunity to, to not be rushed and, right. and you're right. I, you know, I have worked mainly in preschool uh, and in a pre-K environment for 12 to 13 years is what mm. I did for a while. And um, when I look at some of the things that I have worked in and things that I liked in some and didn't like in others, and then I go back and I think, you know, gosh, would I have done that? But had it to do over again, would I have done that with my kids again? Um, maybe knowing me, I might have, but I also think I would have been a little pickier maybe about if they were in a preschool program. Um where and what they were doing and what kind of mm-hmm. environment it was, what kind of free play um, that there was. Um, I think part of it too is when you when you look at doing something at home on your own. I it's kind of a running joke in our family, much to Lacey's chagrin, is that mm-hmm. I always thought I wanted more kids until I had her. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is terrible. <laughs> She's my joy. You know that we're so close. Yeah. But I think yeah. I, uh, I just hit that moment of, and there's probably a lot of people that um, look at maybe homeschooling as just, I don't know what I would do. Or, um, and like you said, even being overwhelmed with the variety of opportunities early on with Pinterest, but not really knowing where to start. So having a curriculum like this, what do you see different? Um, with classical conversations as it compares to maybe what you had growing up or how do you think homeschool now maybe looks as to what it looked like when you were growing up with your parents? Like, how do you think it differs or does it? You know, I feel like my mom was sort of doing this without the title. So, um, we had we had books and a schedule and a curriculum different curriculum she sort of hodgepodge curriculums for us um but it was still like she really fleshed out every opportunity as a teaching moment and not in a teaching moment in the way like oh my goodness let's learn this little math lesson but just pointing us back to the lord right and not in a hyper spiritual way but just like just normal everyday life. Like, look, like God made the trees. Look at all these different varieties of trees that he's given us. Um, or in the ma- in the grocery stores and we would have, we did math so much in those, in my early years in grocery stores, she would have us weigh produce or add up with a notebook, um, you know, the things that she was putting in her, her cart. So in that way, I think my mom was sort of doing this without having this sort of title of classical education. Um, now, now in 2020, um, there's just more curriculum that's put together for you. So um, we call it CC for short. It's a K through 12 curriculum that that the parents are still hands-on. So it's not, it's not screens. It's not just your kid goes off at a table and sits. It's no, we are equipping parents to disciple their children in education because we really believe that education is discipleship. And 
our kids are getting a worldview spoken into them everywhere they go. And unfortunately, in, um, in the modern schools today, it is not a biblical worldview. And so, um, and so like CC really equips parents just how to disciple their children through very, um, very solid, deep education, but it just goes through those natural learning progressions where it's not forced in the early years. We are just creating um, or cultivating wonder in the hearts of our children. We want them to be lifelong learners and love learning. And so if we force it to them too early, that squelches that desire. And I will say Um, that was one. Go ahead. And then I'll ask you. Oh, and then, and then you also have those kids that are just like, want, they want to learn and they want to be busy with worksheets and, um, and, you know, they are the star pupil, but then, but then their hearts are just turning proud. And, and so education, like a, a, cl- a Christian classical educator would say that the purpose of education is to form virtue. And as Christians, we know that virtue ultimately comes through sanctification of Christ. And so like our, my goal is not to have a perfect SAT score for my children. I want my children to know God, to follow him, to be able to communicate him and to know how to think critically in this world and to know truth. I want them to be able to know goodness, beauty, and truth. And right now in our society, in our culture, that is threatened. Truth is not absolute. And as Christians, we believe that. And there's so much, um, there's so many opportunities to just be available to anything um, mm-hmm. and so much, so many places to have input, um, or to have <laughs> what you're filling your mind with. And mm-hmm. I know when the kids are, are little and growing up and, you know, you, you talk to them about, um, you know, what they're putting in their mind and, and watching. And, and I can't imagine really raising kids now, compared to when my kids were little, when, you know, one of the things about being a parent is, especially when they go to school and in a Mm -hmm. public school setting, um, as much as that's what we grew up with and what my family did and what we did with our kids, there's still that moment of, oh my gosh, they're out of my realm of influence and somebody else is influencing them on a daily basis. And I have no control over it in a, sense other Mm -hmm. than to just, you know, pray, develop relationships with their teachers, you know, be involved as possible, as much as possible in the school district and what's going on in their classroom. You mentioned something, and this is probably a a point that we talk about in the family when it comes to like Harry Potter and and, uh, books and things. I'm not like a Harry Potter fan for any other reason than I, there's just certain genres of books I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as an example, you said something about being a long time, lifetime learner and critical thinker. And, um, you know, when the kids were in school, we had a program, uh, the accelerated reader program. Mm-hmm. And my brother was for two or three terms, a school board president down near Austin. And he kept telling me for a long time, Lynn AR is not going to last. And he said, you know, it study, mm-hmm. studies prove that those kids that are forced to read on a regular basis in order to attain certain goals like that are not lifetime learners. They're not lifetime lovers of reading. And mm-hmm. I kept going, oh, but you don't know. My my kids 
loved it and, you know, it, but it became more of a competitive mm-hmm. thing, um, with them. Um, and to this day, now one of them is kind of coming back to liking to read, <laughs> but the three <laughs> of them really, really don't. Um, but there was a time in school when Amanda was in school, um, that her class was going to read a Harry Potter book and, uh, or no, they were going to the movies to watch a Harry Potter movie. And I was just very much on one hand, I don't like those genre, uh, kind of mystical kind of genre in general. And the other Mm -hmm. hand, I was like, if it's got anything about any kind of witchcraft, I don't really care about what it was. And I don't really, you know, know about it, but I just, I don't want her to go. Um, and so I ended up, uh, I told her, I said, okay, look, your class is going. The only way I will let you go is we're going to read the book and you and I can read it together. So I'm totally fine with that because I don't want to like say, well, we're not going to read this or we're not going to read that. But, you know, I wanted to be somewhat open and considering also talking about something I really had no firsthand knowledge of. Right. Right. So I said, we'll do that. We'll read it. And she just didn't care about reading it. And so we started it and did a little bit and then she just dropped it and then she didn't care about it. So we didn't we didn't go, but to this day, I know those conversations come up with the kids of, well, you didn't let us read this, or we didn't do that, or whatever. Like, dude, I told you <laughs> we could go, or we could read it, or whatever, but, you know, reading is such a big, is such a big perspective changer. Yes. Um, That I think, you know, we get so busy, and maybe, you know, it's, from what you're describing, it sounds like just reading is such a big yes. part of what you guys do that I yes. I almost grieve for that for my kids to be in a point now where they just really don't enjoy it. Right. That's sad to me. That's, um, that's actually a catchphrase that CC uses a lot with parents. Um, we're not only teaching our children but we're redeeming our own education as parents. And it's really a wonderful thing because we're more mentors to our children in the homeschool, in this homeschool curriculum than teachers. So it relieves the pressure of having to know all this stuff, but we're lead learners um, with our children. And yes, reading, um, you know, if you just read stories to your children the first five years of life, um, and that's all you did. It would, it would definitely be enough. Um, the screens, unfortunately, have replaced stories. Sure. And book, and um, also forcing a child to read too early. I had um, my oldest started reading at four years old, like reading first, second, third grade chapter books at five years old. So she was very, and, um, and you know, this is my first time homeschooling. So I'm like, okay, is that normal? Um, and then, so she was my first just sort of perfectionist personality. Um, and, and so I just ran with it. She just, I taught her phonics for about six months and she just picked up and hasn't stopped. She loves reading. Um, my second child was around seven and, um, and he's a boy and, you know, I didn't, if he asked, we would sit down for 15 to 20 minutes, snuggled up on my bed and just go over phonics and read short stories. And we did that for about a year. And 
he, I thought like, oh, you know, why isn't he loving reading like his sister and reading for hours every day? He wanted to go play outside in the dirt. And there's something in classical education that is repeated over and over is um, don't force, don't use force to, um, to teach at this young age. And I think, or well, it does come from a quote from Plato thousands of years ago. And, um, but just gently direct your children and sort of discover what amuses them and just let that wonder and curiosity and discovery lead them in those early years. So I just let him, you know, he wanted, he would do 15 minutes of phonics and then go play outside all day and climb trees and play in the dirt. And about 10 years old, he sort of turned a corner developmentally and he loves reading. Like I find him cuddled up on his bed, just reading a book and saying, mama, can I please finish this chapter? And I, sometimes I get teary eyed when I see that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I really thought that you would just not be a reader yeah. or not love reading. And if he was in public school or in just a modern type of education, that would have been a struggle. Yeah. And he would have been, you know, because, because you understand, like you're in a room of 20 kids and you can't meet every child where they are developmentally. Um, and the same thing with my third son, I thought, okay, he'll start reading around seven. Like my other son. No, he was nine. And, um, but he, I mean, we went through a reader book for three years, 15, 20 minutes, you know, a few days a week and just slowly and slowly and slowly. And he's 11 now and he loves reading. And he's reading, yeah, you know, I mean, they're all on level, they all even out, but I was able to teach reading such a fundamental, like, right. read, all need to read, um, without force, without, like, making them feel like they're failures because they're not six years old and reading like everybody else. And so it's been a really just, like, freeing experience for me as a, as an educator at home, but also just my children, like, they don't have any negative effects of like, oh, I'm not good enough or I can't do this. Um, but yes, I think reading is so important. <laughs> and um, as much as you can read to your kids and let your kids read when they're ready to is good. Read alouds are very important in our daily rhythm. You know, it's just sitting around reading a chapter a day or a couple chapters. You know, it's funny because there were, um, mine was kind of the opposite. I think, um, both the girls were fine in terms of reading and when they got into school, but Reed, by the time Reed got in, he's the youngest, um, mm -hmm. was, he was actually ahead of where the girls were in terms of the levels of what he was reading, but, and they all really stayed good for a while. Um, but yeah, when you said that about read alouds, I know there were years when one of my nieces would come to town every summer and spend a week or two with us. And I remember just sitting out the pool. I had a, a series of books that were about um, kids that age out of foster care. And Aww. they all basically adopted each other as siblings. And um, it's a whole series. It's one of my favorite series. But um, anyway, I remember just sitting around the pool reading with them. And one of the, my nieces is had her first baby. And she's, she's like, you know, I still remember sitting around and reading those um, books out loud and, you know, uh, just by the pool, there's something about that that's kind of, I don't know, takes you back to maybe when you were a little kid, you know, that, sure. that they remember. Um, what do you think is something that you wished people 
new about homeschooling that you think maybe is a misconception um, just in the general public? I know, and like you said, it's it's a little more widely um, except it's not the word, but it's not taboo, like you said, as it as it used to be. Maybe there are a lot more people that do it, obviously, and especially, like I said, with COVID, there's been a lot of people that have opted mm-hmm. in for something like mm-hmm. that. But what's something that you think you wish people knew that might be a misconception? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's a few. One, your children will be socialized. Um, in fact, you will get to be in charge of their socialization. And they will, um, there's countless of opportunities that they will be with children, um, that they will go just to life with you, just running errands and know, learn how to look an adult in the eye and shake their hand and say please and thank you. And you get to teach them just how manners and um, how to socialize in a correct way. Um the one thing about CC is that you go one day a week to a community. And so there's small communities all around our town. We probably have, I don't know, a hundred in the North Dallas area. And so you go once a week, it's not like a co-op, but you go for a few hours together with other CC families and you learn and play and do presentations. So you're learning presenting skills, public speaking skills, Um, So that's a way to socialize, but there's so many opportunities to socialize as a homeschooler. And another one is like, you don't have to replicate a public school room. You're not supposed to, it's your home and um, you're cultivating hearts and nurturing souls. And that's going to look different. You're going to be cuddled up on the couch or around your kitchen table. And you're going to have to, your schedule's not going to go perfectly because people have meltdowns and people get hungry. And sometimes you just, it's a beautiful day outside and you want to close the books and go to the park. Um, so I think just having that freedom that you don't have to, your, your home or homeschool room doesn't have to look and function like a public school room can bring a lot of people, empower a lot of moms to pursue homeschooling. So tell me a little bit about, um, If you were to give yourself advice, you know, your younger mom self, um, what's something that you think you would tell yourself, you know, when you were a first mom that you might do different or look at what you held? I think the older we get, the more we're like, man, did I focus on some of the wrong things when the kids right. were younger or not in a like, man, I'm a bad person, you know, yeah. you know and not to hang out there, but just what's something that you would encourage somebody else with of just, you know, a younger mom. Oh, um, sorry. That was horribly formulated. My, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this picture of my tw- soon to be 21 year old and he's, oh my and he's three oh my in this picture and I'm trying not to cry. Um, <laughs> So my, my, you, you have all the feels right oh now. Oh my gosh, I'm surrounded. Oh with it. goodness, I think all moms would say, you know, oh, I wish I wouldn't have worried as much. <laughs> um, and you know, um, focus on your marriage and invest in your marriage, even while you have babies and little kids. And if your to do list isn't done, or if there's still dishes in the sink just stop and love your husband um, and find 
find people that have the same heart and goals as you, even if it's just one who maybe is a little bit ahead of you in the game. Um, not that this is a game, but just a little bit ahead of you on the road, right? Um, on the mountain climb and just say, just someone that you can ask questions to. And I know a lot of days you even find those people just online, like on Instagram or something. Um, pray, like develop your prayer life and um, read the Bible because, um, you know, the disciples said, where do we go, Lord? You have the words of life and I want life for my children and I want life for my home and I want life for my um, marriage and I want life for myself. And um, everything this world offers brings death mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And, um, and so where, where do we go? We go to God's word for life. You know, one of the things that I think I may have even said this in another episode. So if I did, I apologize um, for future listeners. Um, <laughs> but there's, it's one of the things that, so when Reggie and I first had, I guess we had Amanda and we had just moved to Cedar Hill and I really didn't have a community of, of women yet that um, I was doing life with. And I was a young mom, Amanda was a baby. And I thought, you know, I need I need some friends. I need some godly friends. And and like you said, it's so important to have um, a community of people that are around you that uh, have the same heart for the Lord that you do, um, that ones that are older than you, like you said, that that's one thing we've always tried to encourage the kids is like, when you get where you're going, find somebody older than you that's um, has the same spiritual values that you do, that you can you know, share things with. They don't always want to talk to their parents. I mean, me, I'm, right. I'm being honest. Um, and, <laughs> but if they're, if they find somebody that's older, um, that that was such a big deal. But anyway, I, I started going to a Bible study at church and I had never done a preset Bible study before. Mm-hmm. Um, some people love them. Some people hate them. Yeah. Um, they're very intense, very not intense. It's not the right word, but very deep. Um, Mm-hmm. People don't like them, I think, because there's homework. But, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but her, Kay Arthur's uh, premise and what she bases her studies on, or not bases the studies on, but one of her um, symbols in her logo is a plumb line. So a fishing mm-hmm. line with a weight on the bottom of it and signifying what is straight and what is truly center and that you know, she always talked about when you, when you knew what was right and you knew what was center and straight and what was the truth, as long as you knew the truth, that mm-hmm. when you put something up to it that was crooked up to something that held straight, you could tell it was crooked. Mm. But if you didn't have it up next to um, the truth, or in this case, the plumb line that was straight, you didn't know. So I know that was one of the things that I prayed for years. I think uh, probably the first time it hit me really hard was when Amanda went to middle school. Mm. I remember pulling out at the parking lot after I drove through in my sweats and no makeup (laughs) and grody morning of I was and dropped her off and I'm pulling out and I'm just crying because I'm like, you know, middle school is a whole nother ball game, right? At that age and in a public school setting. And I'm just praying, Lord, help those things that are not of you be so obvious yes. that the truth that we are teaching her, that she is learning through her own time with you, through the people that are in her life, that that will just ring true and that the things that are not of you will be super obvious mm-hmm. and that she'll know them. And that 
has just, I don't know, that mental picture, word picture to me has just always stuck out. But it is our job as parents that are Christ followers to to teach them what the Lord has to say about what is true, what is holy, what is pure, and that those things that aren't really pop out and you're like, that's not of that's not of the Lord. And I'm just gonna steer clear. Um Yes, because they are being bombarded with other truths <laughs> that yeah. are truth. But, oh, 100%. I mean I just read a uh article, I think the average teenager spends nine hours on on a screen, like not not for learning, but just like social media platforms a day. Sure. And so just think of all the truth, you know, quote unquote, that's being just bombarded into their heads day in and day out from Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube. Well, I mean, it's just like a a water hose being sprayed in their face. Yeah, they're being waterboarded with garbage. And I mean, it's easy to understand that because, I mean, I know I'm online social media and stuff all the time, but it's at life least, now. Yeah. yeah, but as an almost 54-year-old woman, I feel like I have learned a little bit just through my own experiences um, of what's hard and what's good and what I get pulled into. And, and so those lessons, like you said, it's that knowledge that you acquire that turns into wisdom, but you still have to put that wisdom into action. Right. If you don't have the knowledge of the truth in the first place, um, it just makes it all that much harder. Yes. Thank you so, so much for being on and talking to me all night (laughs) and just sharing. I mean, I, I love your heart. And like I said, you're, purposeful parenting, um, to just point your kids and love your kids to Jesus, um, is what it's about, no matter how you do it. Um, and I love watching you. So I just thank you for your testimony of what God's done with you and done with your family. If somebody listens to this and I'm praying people listen to this, cause that's the whole point. Um, <laughs> but if somebody hears this and just says, you know what, I really, um, identify with Michelle and this homeschool journey, um, where, what's the best way to find you? Um, you or Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're on Instagram some now, right? Instagram. Um, so I have a Facebook Instagram account called, um, with all your mind and, um, you can find me there. You can find me Michelle Moore Travis is my Facebook. We can be friends. You can text Lynn for my phone number. <laughs> I'm an open book about homeschooling and will be everyone's biggest cheerleader. Um, I answer questions every day from families who want, who just are looking for options. So I love helping people and um, showing families options that they have. Well, I love it. And I love you. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And, Thank um, you. Just you are, heart. I admire you and respect you greatly. Oh, well, you're sweet. You're very sweet. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was just mac and cheese talking. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I cooked for my kids tonight. <laughs> oh, all right. I love you. Thank all right. you, Michelle. Thank you. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Drive Through Moms podcast. Happy Wednesday until next week. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Drive Through Moms podcast. I love hearing God's pursuit of these moms' hearts through His faithfulness in every situation. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as get more information about each of the sweet ladies and our resource page coming soon on our website, drivethroughmoms.org. Subscribe on iTunes, and if you like what you're hearing, leave us a great review. We'd so appreciate it. Until next time, happy Wednesday.